Sadashini. What's up, baby? The bearer of bad news himself. <laughs> that is what this podcast needs. Needs someone to to talk about the serious shit. I'm glad that you could be on here with me, man, because like you know, of anybody that I that I know who's um as much of a comedy nerd and and interested in in um in just all things comedy, the alternative scene and just like, you know, you have a, a long history of, of the people that you enjoy and, and I really admire that about you. So I knew that, that Harris Whittle's uh passing away was gonna uh weigh heavily on you like it did me. Well, I, I guess in, in one sense I'm flattered that uh, uh, Harris Whittles somehow makes you think of, of me in some sure. weird relation somehow. Sure. Uh, but, but, but yeah, I, I mean, I fancy myself a historian of that scene. Uh, that it, it's a very young scene uh, right. in certain respects, but, uh, and he was a very young guy and part, an integral part of that scene. So uh, it, it really did hit me really hard. And I wasn't kidding when I said you were the, you were the one who uh, – I got the news from. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I, uh, I was scrolling through Facebook. You were the the F the um the R.I.P. Harris Whittles post. Oh Christ! I didn't know. I didn't know if you were. It was some joke. He was right. It, like he's this kind of guy that had the the kind of dark sense of humor. Where he was like, yeah. "Let's start a rumor where I died." <laughs> I was like, "I need to fact check this." Sure, Greg sure. would totally play along with Harris. Sure, sure. No, I can I can see that. I mean, you go back through his uh, his Twitter feed, and he has a lot of um, these uh, t- yeah, I would say taboo breaking jokes. You know, p- people would be like, you know, you 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 shouldn't talk about that, or he would, you know, push it to the limit. I I just saw something that Aziz and Sorry uh, posted, um, which was like a email, an internal email that they were sending out. Um, I think it was to the crew of Parks and Rec um, that they were gonna have. Um, uh, sexual harassment training or something like that and uh, so the email read you know we're, we're going to be meeting in the multi-purpose room I'll be down here with bagels and coffee come meet me uh, whoever the guy the HR representative or whatever and Harris Whittles responded will the bagels be in the shape of pussy holes <laughs> and it's that like it's that sense of humor which I mean is is constantly like and I hate to to sound cliche, but he's you know pushing that limit, and he's pushing what people are um, typically comfortable with, and I think that that kind of it infects all of these different areas that that we like, and maybe we'll we'll cover a couple of them that that we kind of admired him for. But yeah, I love that you say that he's the th- the first thing that hit me was how young he was. I, I I knew he was young, but I didn't know he was you know two years younger than me. That really blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one of the guys that like um, I don't know. So anyone who might not know that's listening, I, I aspire to be a comedian. I refuse to call myself a comedian because I'm years away from that status. But you know, in doing that and entering that world, wherever you decide to go there, you always you can't help but when you find people your age or around your age, just sort of size yourself up on it. And like I'm sort of right in between the uh, as far as age wise. Bo Burnham was the guy I looked at, like sort of behind me at, like right. and and Harris was the guy uh, ahead of me, like just by a few years margins and I was like man this young kid's killing it in comedy I'm never going to be that funny there's no way I should even try and this guy selling books exec producer on a TV show why yeah. why why should I even try but but I say that jokingly like what what I really mean what I really get from following those guys so um 
closely is inspiration. The fact that they can relate to these people that have been doing it for 35 years, older than, you know, have been doing comedy since before they've been born, and just be able to hang in the same room and make those people laugh is is really, um, it, it's just very validating for me yeah. that a personality can shine through if you uh if you have the desire to make it happen yeah it's super it's super special man i mean like from the point of view of of that scene and and kind of growing up with uh with mr show with bob and david and all of the people that were kind of like in that in that interim between the uh the mark marins and um the louis ck's who really you know started grinding in the early 90s but like in the late 90s early 2000s seeing kind of that new scene the new alternative scene of which sarah silverman was part of and, and you can kind of see this this uh family tree that starts like extending um that goes into the 21st century to the point that all of these comedians that you really look up to uh nowadays joe mandy pete holmes uh harris whittles all these people that had this these these comedy careers were so kind of connected to that movement that I I remember being really like in, in admiration of, yeah. yeah. Like I I remember I remember when Sarah's show came on uh, at first. That was my introduction to the world of alternative comedy. And of course, it didn't even have that name then. I had no idea what to call sure. it. I was I was so young that I didn't even know what to think of it. But that is um, looking backwards when you look at how popular the alternative scene has gotten now. You can definitely tell that that's the starting point for where it butted out to infuse with where the general public was looking for comedically. And uh, you know, Harris said that's where he got his start he owes everything he has to Sarah because she just picked him out of LA doing stand-up and just saw, thought he was funny and and I that total that sensibility lines up so completely I I really want to go back and check out the Sarah Silverman program now mm -hmm. years later to see what barriers it was breaking that I didn't even understand at the time right you didn't even pick up on yeah I see that um a lot too because like the the place where I first really got exposed to Harris Whittles was on uh Comedy Bang Bang and both of us are are big podcast nerds we love um uh Scott Ackerman and and obviously the people that uh are the revolving door door to uh to comedy that goes through there but uh i mean obviously you know this this reoccurring sketch going on on there with his his phone corner foam corner mm -hmm. um with farts and procreation they did those like three episodes with him and and uh, uh chelsea peretti and and adam scott mm -hmm. and um I mean, obviously the kind of sketches on there. I, I, I since since we found out about his death, I, I actually was re-listening to those three uh, comedy bang bang podcasts, and it's it's so hilarious how um, awkward he is playing to the audience of of Chelsea Peretti. You know, saying these things, making puns, making really bad jokes, and he knows that they're really really bad but uh, playing them off of the other you know people the uh, adam scott uh, chelsea peretti and scott ackerman it was it, it's almost uh, that kind of uncomfortable comedy that that um that the office is the office uk especially yeah um, well he he's the, he was sort of this effortless forerunner in this this sort of hips what scott ackerman is referring to as the hipster movement in comedy <laughs> where where the joke doesn't even have to be funny right. but the joke is that 
you are taking the joke seriously at all and in a meta sense looking at that as a joke and in in this weird age of like wordplay and twitter and everybody sort of having the same tools at hand that elevated the game to a whole other level where suddenly jokes were were free reign again you know if if you could be this ironic guy and move forward in uh how you deliver the jokes you could even have something that that 15 years ago would be in a joke book and all of us would roll our eyes at and (laughs) now you say it on stage and the crowd goes nuts because it's hilarious that all of us actually do make that connection that some of those things are really funny yeah because they sound so stupid it's that level of anti-comedy, you know, like people, I do like that you say that people take it so seriously, that they would take their comedy so seriously, that it has to be a formula or it has to be a certain type of observation or it's got to be presented in a particular way. But uh, the way that he presented it was, you know, um, so disarming and awkward that, that I mean, it, it certainly bleeds into the, the writing that he did on uh, Parks and Rec. You can see that with um, certain characters that I'm sure he had a hand and in, in kind of sculpting, but um, mm-hmm. he created yeah. John Ralphio. I mean, yeah, come on. perfect, yeah, perfect, <laughs> perfect. That kind of character. Um, and, and I mean, the other the other side of that, since we're talking about Scott Ackerman, is certainly uh, analyze fish that he did with him, and kind of trying to turn Ackerman on to to fish the band and and try to expose what what Harris uh, loved about that band and and m- mostly to to uh, the chagrin of fish fans because Scott Ackerman t- did not like them. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure there were a couple uh, jam band uh, so that he enjoyed especially when they went to the concert and uh took drugs and enjoyed the the full experience yeah i maintain the fourth episode of that podcast is one of the greatest podcast episodes of all time but but yeah even like for those who who haven't listened to that show even taking that premise of the podcast that's taking that anti-comedy irony thing to a whole other level because that sounds like a joke in itself how could you ever convince anyone who doesn't like fish <laughs> to like fish but we're going to take this podcast completely seriously and sure. try to do it <laughs> sure and i and of course you know if you don't know that that formula there is very uh similar to i i guess how it influenced uh you talking you two to me which Augerman mm. does with adam scott i mean having adam scott on there with uh with them on analyze fish and kind of you know going through a song and trying to show a, a good side to fish maybe this is something that you would find interesting look at you know where they go with the lyrics or where they go with you know these certain sections of the song isn't that enticing to you oh i'm on board with it and then they get to a part of the song and they're both just start talking shit about it so i mean that that's a similar formula to you talking uh you two to me and i think Mm -hmm. that harris did a good job of um you know what what you need when when you approach something like that you know is a a person that you need a person like harris that is not going to take offense to someone wanting to kill his baby you know Mm -hmm. well and then what ended up happening is it sort of creates this timeline of a story that Harris and Scott, I'm sure, never even foresaw because 
the first few episodes, I mean, they go to a fish concert. Uh, right. Harris is a big druggie. He's getting Scott to do drugs. And by the time they go to the second concert in the show, that uh, Harris has been through rehab once, and he's right. struggling with that. When when he agreed that he was going to do this show about fish, he, I'm sure he never even envisioned a future where he would have to quit doing drugs. Right. And that plays so, so much into the identity of who he was as a person and the music of fish itself. And I'm sure that's very hard to grapple with when suddenly you've created this this timeline with all these uh, s- these faceless strangers who are are sort of dependent on you maintaining your sobriety. That's got to be a weight yeah. on your shoulders that he never even realized he was creating. Absolutely, man. I mean, the other side of it certainly is that you know people know him uh, it's it's in all of the obituaries all the um the, the you know the the people um uh, trying to trying to put the spotlight on his unfortunate you know passing away is the first thing that they name check is his involvement with parks and recreation especially considering parks and recreation is about to end mm-hmm. um series finale is coming up next week and it's so much like uh it, it's like a sadly poignant, uh, perfect timing that his legacy is is going to go out with the show that he's so well known for in right. a weird way. It's going to be a real hard moment to keep your mind in the uh, universe of the show when that card comes up at the end of the last scene that says, in loving memory of mm. Harris Whittles. I mean, that's, that's, that's harsh. You're, you're absolutely right. When I when I saw the news, I mean, I he's one of these guys that like, and I'm not trying to make it about me or anything, but you know, now and then you'll hear a podcast or a comedian, and you go like, I want to hang out with that person, you know, like uh, there's there's podcasters and comedians who are very funny, but I don't relate to whatsoever. And this was a guy that I was like, oh my god, I just want to, like, I just want, I feel like we would get along, <laughs> and <laughs> and then I I was so in shock by the news because I had so much hope in what he was trying to achieve because he lays it all out in a, uh, in the, his last appearance on Pete Holmes podcast. You made it weird as far mm-hmm. as his battle with drugs and getting sober. Uh, I, I didn't want to believe that it could have been an accident. Actually all last night I was, I was in that denial as somebody who, who, and let's, let's be clear here. I have, there are people he knew. He knew he had family members. We should all be putting their sorries towards them, not me or the fans or whatever. It is a loss for the world, but there are people whose lives he actually genuinely affected, as far as um, separate from his art. But I, I was like, man. Uh, I looked at his last tweet, which was seemed to be some ironic thing about like. Uh, <laughs> by the way, this is my email address, yeah. and I was like, oh, if he did it on purpose, what's a darker. <laughs> last sure. thing to say than that but but what it really comes down to is is you know when you look at everything and the fact that he was hanging out with friends last night and did a comedy show and and everyone seems to be saying loving things it's as if it seems nobody expected this to happen and yeah. and it it becomes uh instead of a a harsh dark story of of in a descent into um, a dark place of somebody I love that I don't want to deal with, then it just becomes this random sad uh, occurrence that nobody knows how to deal with, that nobody knows how to put into perspective. And I just wasn't ready to accept last night that, you yeah. know, the universe could deliver this horrible news to me. Yeah. That, yeah. With, with every, like, with every passing years I get older, 
another like group of celebrities, another group of of people that uh, are my are and were my heroes and people I looked up to, um, you know, pass on. So I mean, it's obvious that a lot of them are uh, older and that they're dying of old age or the complications of old age. Um, but also, as we're getting older, you know, to see that that you know what what has to be straight up in your face you cannot you can't outrun you can't beat mortality and to see that kind of constantly pop up every now and again with someone that you admire so much and and didn't have to um pass away it's simply you know connected to uh recreation in this case uh, connected to uh, a lot of psychological stuff, a lot of hurting, a lot of physical stuff, a lot of addiction. I mean, that last episode um, that you made it weird with Pete Holmes that he did. I my my tweet last night when I heard the news was how much sadder and more tragic that episode is because it seemed like. Um, it was an expose on relapse. It was an expose on kind of how dark a relapse can be. And and you could tell Harris Whittles was in a lot of pain when he had that when he was telling that story, when he was going through the actual events of the story he was telling on on You Made It Weird, you could tell that that was so fucking hard for him and you it makes me think of every person who's dealt with that level of addiction like that's the real you know no pun intended that that's the real sobering aspect to it Mm -hmm. and and there's a part of getting sober i mean people go in and out of rehab many times and stuff like that the part of the battle that is the hardest, really, that nobody can really do for you is you have to believe the positivity. And the thing I remember thinking back then that the context of reality now makes even more tragic is that like, it sounds like when he says positive things in that, in that conversation, um, things about looking forward to the future, it almost sounds like he's reciting it. Like it right. almost sounds like he's trying to convince himself of it because this is he recorded it just 2 months after getting sober. He's still in the in actively having to be sober time, like that being his main focus in life yeah. and and he just said like, you know, in the grand scheme of things in the billion years of history, whether I live 30 years or 80 years, what's the difference? And he actually used those two numbers, so it was really weird for him to say, yeah. say that. And, you know, I kind of get that in the Buddhist existential sense of, like, everything's burning and nothing matters, so find meaning in whatever you want. But, you know, Harris, if, if Harris didn't find the meaning in, in his life in that sense, it, it sucks that he didn't see that we all did. Right. And it's even, uh, yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It's 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 completely sad too because as you're as you're like recounting that, I'm I'm thinking of also how he's talking about how he would you know um, skip out on writing sessions that he would um, call in sick or whatever just to go score and to you know cut the you, you know the, the the pain that he was going through with some sort of opium or opiate 
and uh, I'm thinking about how that kind of uh, relapsing and kind of lying to yourself, lying to your friends, even though maybe everybody involved knows what's going on, uh, that must have been happening as they were shooting the final season of Parks and Rec. Um, I wonder also, I mean, he, he's a part of a band with uh, Paul Rust, uh, Don't Stop or We'll Die. I wonder how much, um, you know, they were aware of, the. I'm sure, they, them being friends, that they, it was constantly coming up and probably something that they were aware of um, as he was battling it constantly, you know. Yeah, and I'm not even saying do do drugs, anyone, but playing in a band, that's the yeah. best time to do drugs. It's like sure, you don't even sure. have to play an instrument, but you've seen bands play, and you can just imagine that being the truth. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's tragic. I love... Um, I love being part of a podcasting community um, where we can get together and talk about things. But every time that I've gotten together with a couple friends of ours who also have a show, um, the Gobbledygeek Show, every time that I come on there, it's almost like nine times out of ten we're talking about someone that we really admire and, and love just passing away, like Robin Williams or Roger Ebert. And in this case, um, I, I wouldn't say I was surprised that I was hit as hard as I was by Harris Whittle's passing because I really admired his sense of humor, that, that kind of comedy that he brought not only to, to uh, podcasting and to Parks and Rec, but to social network and just the, the, the personality that he put out. I, I really connected him to Chelsea Peretti and, and Pete Holmes and all of this kind of like new era and I wonder you know you and I were going to be going to see Pete Holmes in a couple days and I wonder if Pete Holmes is going to be talking about that at all because it's such a tragic like of the moment uh, current event right I mean I, I have to say for hearing the news I was shocked but I was not surprised just given the history and everything I knew and his right. outlook on life and stuff and I, I, I felt the same way I almost felt bad that Pete had to do a slew of shows this weekend on the literally the complete other side of the country from where all of his friends are celebrating Harris, um, and like we're going to be seeing him uh, on Sunday. It was just a few days afterwards, and and I'm going to want to ask him questions that aren't yeah. related to Harris. But you know, I I have to to hope that, and this is something Paul F. Tompkins said this morning on Twitter that I really loved is that like. You know, humor is what heals people. And as hard as it is for people to go on being funny when one of their funny friends is no longer there to be funny, just knowing that he would not want any of his funny friends to stop being funny for a second yep. helps helps to keep that going. And when you look at comedy in the general sense, it's very therapeutic. It makes I love being on stage. Even if I bomb, I feel it's it it feels good to get yourself out there. So even if it's hard for Pete or anyone, it's just like after 9/11, you know, yeah. for New York. New York needed Saturday Night Live after yeah. that week. Um, so we all still need to make comedy. It just sucks that Harris isn't going to be a part of it. But he is a part of it because one thing I wanted to talk about or two things real quick, is that, um, you know, I'm a big Weird Al fan. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing Weird Al did, like in 1983, it's hard to imagine that before that nobody had just changed lyrics to pop songs. <laughs> right. It, it seems like such an obvious thing now because so many people just do it day to day. We, you know, you hear a pop song, you see, see an item on your kitchen table, and you make <laughs> the pop song that's stuck in your head about that. Sure. And, and in the way that Weird Al revolutionized that version of music and comedy in the culture that way, Harris uh, 
was able to come up with something so obvious that nobody had called out anyone for, and that was the term humble brag. And yeah. and he, I know he has backed off of it in the past few years, and because I don't know, it just seems something about his personality than like being associated with something so huge and sure, monumental sure. and money making. I guess that's part of the whole irony of it being humble brag. But yeah. you know it. It really did change the internet culture in regard to uh, a comedic form because so many people had no way of being in check. You could say whatever you wanted. (laughs) And now that we all have this double life in the virtual world, um, I am constantly wondering how much of an asshole everything I'm saying uh, (laughs) is looked at. And that's not just out of my own self-consciousness but because – there has become a a global consciousness in that since that became its own hashtag in the beginning yeah. of the hashtag days. You yeah. know, it doesn't seem as revolutionary as as uh, pop paradise weird owl, but you know, I really think it did change the escape, the landscape of a certain yeah. uh, part of society. Yep. Change the lexicon. When you when you have a word uh, like truthiness or humble brag making it into the lexicon of, of everyday speech, uh, that's that's your legacy. Yeah, right. he's, he's going to be remembered for that, definitely. And the, the part that, that humbled me so much that I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. You know, last night I was so sad. I listened to some foam corners. It was great. And then I was going through his whole Twitter timeline. I went all the way back. And it... It amazed me, you know, I'm doing this show, this Mad Men rewatch show with our friends AJ and Joe, and, and we re- watched this episode recently where Don accidentally stole an I- idea from Danny, who, mm-hmm. who is Jonathan on Buffy. Yeah, you know, he yeah, just, just hurt, he, he heard it a few <laughs> days ago, and, and then like he just throws it out in a meeting and like, oh shit, now you have to give credit to Danny. Yeah. And you know, uh, Peggy says, you know, just ideas get stuck in there, you don't know where they came from. And um, let's see, this was at the beginning of this month. At the beginning of this month, Greg, I tweeted uh, very ironically because I watched a, a trailer that annoyed me. I was like, uh, I'd be watching trailers thinking, man, this shiz looks whatevs. But then it cuts right when someone was ob- going to cuss. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm so there. And and so that was like I when I remember tweeting that, I was like, I think I've had this thought before. I, I've been annoyed by the fact that they just cut in the middle of curse words as if that's going to get me to go see a movie. Right. And then last night... I'm scrolling through Harris's <laughs> tweets, and that's where it comes from, man. I, it's it's like he is already influencing me as a comedian. <laughs> it is it is nuts, and in the virtual world, it, because um, last October it just got lodged in my brain, and I didn't attribute it to Harris, I guess. But he said in trailers, I love when they cut right in the middle of someone saying "motherfucker." <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm gonna see it. Gotta see it if they say it. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, yeah, in, in, influential in ways that nobody even realizes yet. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Ken, for for being there for me, and I'm I'm there for you, man. Uh, I, I love talking about people that we love and and kind of the comedy that we really admire. So like, rest in peace, uh, Harris. Thank you so much for all the things that you've uh, given to us. Um, uh, more than just the things that we've we've covered just in this short little podcast. Yeah, I, I totally am with you right there. Rest in peace, man. And and if you are listening and you admire the fact that he was a comedian that was respected and you aren't familiar with his stuff, just do a Google search. He's all over the internet. Podcast, his Twitter feed, it's all it's all gold, and it deserves to be remembered. Absolutely, Ken. Thank you so much, dude. Talk to you dude, soon, man. Th- th- later, Greg. Thank you. I'm going to see you on Sunday, baby. Yeah, it's going to be great. Big hug coming your way. 
Okay, man. See ya. All right, later. Bye. Forget the bug spray, yeah. I'm going on a camping trip with my baby today. Even though we'll be rough in it, you know, I gotta look fine. I can't wait to see the look on your face when I take off this hat of mine. I got a perm for our camping trip. I got a curly perm for our camping trip. camping trip I got a curly perm for my camping trip I got a curly perm for my camping trip I got a curly perm for my camping trip I got a curly perm for my camping trip I got a curly perm for my camping trip I got a curly perm for my camping trip I got a curly perm for my camping trip I got a curly